There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, November 28th, 2023, the 1042nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, there are a bunch of really interesting happenings in the last 24 hours, and I want to get to as many of those as I can, but I can't not start this way considering how we finished the show yesterday, talking about Elon Musk and AI and the potential for an artificial general intelligence to pose an existential threat for humanity and the stir Elon Musk created by posting Q star Anon in relation to that potentially humanity threatening AI. I suggested that perhaps Elon Musk was 
pointing to the idea that the humanity threatening AI may well be a conspiracy theory that people, for whatever reason, have accepted as fact because they believe the regime's story about what AI can potentially be a computer that surpasses humanity in every way possible as soon as that computer is imbued with human spontaneity and creativity, a sort of quasi-consciousness, if you will. And everybody just assumes that that's possible and that because it's a machine, it will do whatever it needs to do without errors at a much faster speed in more powerful ways. Sooner or later, it would look at humanity as some sort of underclass and then want to dispose of all humans. Or at the very least, we would all be out of work. There would be nothing for us to do. And I guess we would, what, wither away in poverty? So yesterday, I'm talking about Q-Star. And then today, we get this from Amazon, from Amazon Web Services. This is from their page. This is a press announcement for them posted today, November 28th, 2023. Today, AWS announces Amazon Q, a new generative AI-powered assistant that is specifically designed for work and can be tailored to your business to have conversations, solve problems, generate content, and take actions using the data and expertise found in your company's information repositories, code, and enterprise systems. So give us all your data and we're going to figure out what to do with it. And when we say, give us all your data, we mean we already have all your data and now we're just figuring out what to do with it. I think we might just feed it to our AI and see whether or not it destroys all of humanity. Amazon Q has a broad base of general knowledge and domain-specific expertise. It is secure and private in practice and by design. Amazon Q is designed to help customers meet stringent enterprise requirements. There are different ways that you can use Amazon Q today. It's so great that they remind us all that it is secure and private in practice and by design. Oh, yes, they designed it to be secure and private. They have all your stuff. Your stuff is not private to them, but their stuff is private to everybody else. You get it? Amazon Q is your business expert. With Amazon Q, employees can ask questions and get answers from knowledge spread across disparate content repositories, summarize lengthy reports, write articles, take actions, and much more, all within their company's connected content repositories. Amazon offers over 40 built-in connectors to popular enterprise systems. It generates responses only from the content that each user is permitted to access with enterprise-grade access control. It also provides references and citations so users can trace which documents were used to provide a response. Amazon Q is available in preview in the U.S. East, North Virginia, and U.S. West, Oregon, AWS regions. To learn more about Amazon Q, your business expert visit the website or read this news blog post. And it seems like it's supposed to link to a blog post, but doesn't, or maybe it means this very 
post that you're reading. Maybe an AI wrote this and it's being self-referential. Amazon Q is your expert assistant for building on Amazon Web Services. Amazon Q offers a range of capabilities in preview to supercharge work for developers and IT pros, giving you expert assistance when building, deploying, and operating applications and workloads on AWS. To learn more about Amazon Q, your AWS expert, visit the website or read this news blog post. And again, no link. So Amazon Q is going to make your business better. And it's also going to tell you how to interact with Amazon Web Services. Maybe it can make every company exactly like Amazon until Amazon simply subsumes all of these other companies until it is just one big company. Amazon Q is in Amazon Connect. Amazon Q in Connect delivers real-time recommended responses and actions that help contact center agents resolve customer issues quickly and accurately. To learn more about Amazon Q in Connect, visit the website or read this news blog post. And of course, again, no link. TechCrunch covers the release of Amazon Q this way in an article from today by a man named Kyle Wiggers. The headline is Amazon Unveils Q, an AI-powered chatbot for businesses. Unveiled during a keynote at Amazon's reInvent conference in Las Vegas this morning, Q, starting at $20 per user per year, can answer questions like, how do I build a web application using AWS? Trained on 17 years worth of AWS knowledge, Q will offer a list of potential solutions along with reasons you might consider its proposals. You can easily chat, generate content, and take actions with Q, AWS CEO Adam Salipsky said on stage. It's all informed by an understanding of your systems, your data repositories, and your operations. So it essentially analyzes everything you could possibly feed it, which it very likely already has. As you might suspect, when you are launching a product like this, you probably want to address that obvious concern that I'm pointing out right now. Don't you have all of everybody's data? Are you using all of everybody's data to make your AI better? Well, they want to let you know they're not. And you can choose for yourself whether or not to believe Amazon's explanations. The TechCrunch article notes. In addition, Q models, a mix of models from Bedrock, Amazon's AI dev platform, including Amazon's own in-house Titan family, don't train on a customer's data, Silipsky said. Those bullet points were no doubt aimed at companies wary of adopting generative AI for liability and security reasons. Over a dozen companies have issued bans or restrictions on ChatGPT, expressing concerns about how data entered into the chatbot might be used and the risk of data leaks. Heavy privacy emphasis aside, in many ways, Q seems like Amazon's answer to Microsoft's co-pilot for Azure, which was in turn Microsoft's answer to Duet AI in Google Cloud. 
Both Copilot and Duet AI take the form of chat-driven assistance for cloud customers, suggesting configurations for apps and environments and helping with troubleshooting by identifying potential issues and solutions. This whole thing basically reads like a press release, and there's at least some chance it is one that TechCrunch just happens to be reprinting on behalf of Microsoft. But Q appears to be a bit more comprehensive touching on a wide range of business intelligence, programming, and configuration use cases. Ray Wang, founder and principal analyst at Constellation Research, told TechCrunch that he believes it's the most important announcement at reInvent so far. So the biggest news to come out of Amazon's little conference. It's about arming developers with AI so that they're successful, he said. An important note to raise, considering that according to at least one recent survey, many companies piloting generative AI are struggling to find business use cases and overcome badly conceived implementations. We'll just have to see if Q works as well as Amazon says it does. So it's hard to know exactly what to make of all this. Elon Musk announced a couple of weeks ago that he was going to create an XAI called Grok, a chatbot that would not be limited in the information coming in or the information going out and not limited in the subjects and the viewpoints it's allowed to interact with. It was basically the uncensored, unlimited version of OpenAI's ChatGPT. Then we hear about the letting go of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, then maybe they're getting back together. There is a mysterious letter about Altman's misdeeds and a mysterious letter about QSTAR, this potentially artificial general intelligence, this next step forward in the progression that might pose an existential threat to humanity. And then just days later, we get Amazon Q, a chat-based AI designed for business and enterprise services that is going to take all of the data that these businesses have through Amazon Web Services, and it's going to analyze everything, and make everything better. It's going to save them all sorts of time, make them more productive as organizations. They're simply going to hand over a lot of the human intellectual work, the mental processing and organizing over to the machine and with it, of course, all the data, all the access to the data. They basically just say to Amazon here. Now you have permission to access all my data that you have likely already been accessing. But this new agreement will make sure that you can never get in trouble for all of that. It's kind of like when we sign up for our cell phone contracts and we say to our cell phone carriers, sure. You can track exactly where I am, exactly what I type, exactly what I say, and exactly who my phone is around, and then sell it to advertisers. And for the experience of giving away all of my private personal information to you, I will also pay you a monthly fee to be allowed to do it. It's one of those moments where you think these companies can't be doing that. They can't be forcing us to pay them so that they can take all of our data, giving us virtually nothing in return other than the privilege of getting our apps from them and typing on their little machine rather than someone else's. But yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. 
and you're not going to hold them accountable because who has time for all of that? And for those of you who may not be aware, I did an entire episode on that kind of idea a couple of weeks ago. It's called No Accountability. So as I said, a bunch of happenings in the news. This is from the New York Times today, also reported by Jonathan Carl of ABC News, the man who wrote the book Tired of Winning, Donald Trump and the End of the Grand Old Party. He posted this today on X, formerly Twitter. Scoop, Coke-backed AFP is endorsing Nikki Haley for president. They plan to spend tens of millions trying to defeat Trump in the primaries. And AFP, of course, being Americans for Prosperity. AFP action has never engaged in a presidential election before. But as we said in February, to write a new chapter for our country, we need to turn the page on the past. Donald Trump and Joe Biden will only further perpetuate the country's downward spiral in politics. Our internal polling confirms what our activists are hearing and seeing from voters in the early primary states. Nikki Haley is in the best position to defeat Donald Trump in the primaries. So that is Americans for Prosperity, the political arm of the Koch brothers, They are now saying in the early primary states that Nikki Haley has the best chance to defeat Donald Trump. It is no longer Ron DeSantis, even according to the Koch brothers. The New York Times sent their A-team to cover this. Koch Network endorses Nikki Haley in bid to push GOP past Trump by Maggie Haberman, Shane Goldmacher, and Jonathan Swan. The political network founded by the Koch brothers is endorsing Nikki Haley in the Republican presidential primary race, giving her organizational muscle and financial heft as she battles Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida for second place in Iowa. (laughs) This is the New York Times battling for second place in Iowa. The group announced its plans in a memo on Tuesday. The commitment by the network Americans for Prosperity Action bolsters Ms. Haley as the campaign enters the final seven weeks before the first nominating contest. Since the first Republican primary debate, Ms. Haley has steadily climbed in the polls and is closely competing with Mr. DeSantis for the second place slot in Iowa. Former President Donald J. Trump remains the dominant frontrunner in the race. Now, I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but there are some fun notes in here. One mailer in Iowa paid for by AFP Action shows images of Mr. Trump and Mr. Biden and reads, you can stop Biden by letting go of Trump. Oh, what powerful, powerful messaging. Is this just more of the pro-Trump red team op designed to drain the donors of all of their donor money designed to expose all of the rhinos in the uniparty right? Hey, maybe. But if it's not, this is the most incompetent campaigning ever. This is a continuation of the Ron tactic, but dressed up a little nicer. This is a more adult approach. Does it have any chance of working whatsoever? Well, of course not. No one who has stuck with Trump For the last three years or has left Trump and come back around 
or was never Trump and has now woken up and come around and understood the threat of the uniparty, the threat of the global regime and its agenda, the fact that Donald Trump is the only person who can be trusted to oppose that. No one has gone through that process and is supporting Trump, but doing so in such a weak and uncommitted fashion that they are going to switch their support and affiliation over to Nikki Haley because they are so scared of Joe Biden winning a second term if they don't. Oh, we get it. Donald Trump, he just can't win. Sure, he won in 2016 and 2020 and is dominating everybody, including Joe Biden, in all polling right now. But he just can't win. What we need to do is switch over to Bamala Harris so she can go protect Ukraine and Israel with all her might. The article concludes this way. Mr. DeSantis's campaign, which has seen upheaval in recent days, including the CEO of his super PAC resigning, tried to throw cold water on the endorsement before it was even announced. Every dollar spent on Nikki Haley's candidacy should be reported as an in-kind to the Trump campaign wrote a DeSantis spokesman, Andrew Romeo on X, the website formerly known as Twitter, 30 minutes before AFP action officials announced the endorsement in a press call. No one has a stronger record of beating the establishment than Ron DeSantis, and this time will be no different, he wrote. Except Ron DeSantis doesn't have a record of beating the establishment. Ron DeSantis now has a record only of being the establishment. Ron DeSantis has ended his political career by running against Donald Trump and exposing who he actually is. Or hey, maybe it's on up. Maybe Ron DeSantis just led all these people into the spotlight where they have exposed themselves. And if that's the case, we can all give Ron a nice pat on the back after all this is over and say, hey, buddy. It was nothing personal. It just seemed like you were supporting the usurpation of the country and you surrounded yourself with people who definitely were. So, hey, better safe than sorry. I offer you the sincerest of my apologies and will gladly build an altar in your name. But, hey, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So Ron DeSantis is not first in any of these states. He is nowhere close to being first anywhere. And now he's not really second anywhere either. Nikki Haley, they say, has been climbing in the polls steadily since that first debate. Now, she's not over 10%. Nobody's over 10%. But she has been climbing steadily. Ron DeSantis supporters are melting down, as you might suspect, because now they can't even be taken seriously as the closest challenger. It's not just that the polls are not showing them in second. It's that the money is going to someone other than them, even though that money is only concerned with defeating Donald Trump. It is going to someone else as a better opportunity to defeat Donald Trump. Now, perhaps the Kochs are just being financially drained the same way Ken Griffin and Ron DeSantis's other supporters were drained. Maybe that's what this effort is all about. And wonderful. If so, we can also pat Bamala Harris, Nikki Haley 
on the back and say, hey, Nikki, it seemed like you were supporting the usurpation of the United States of America, and I generally don't take kindly to that sort of thing. So I'm sorry for the off-color words and calling you Bamala Harris. I hope that we can all get along. Uh, congratulations, and I guess if you want an altar in your name, I will build you one too. But the truth is, I didn't say nearly as many bad things about you as I said about Ron. So the whole altar thing might be a waste of both our time. Now, the Ron people are going nuts over this. Bonchi, one of the DeSantis simps from Red State, wrote earlier, quote, tweeting the Americans for Prosperity Action post on X, formerly Twitter. I'm going to enjoy every second of these big donors failing because of their sheer hubris that they can return the party to the Bush era. They had a chance to get behind the one guy who has the same favorables in the party as Trump. They didn't. Now I'm going to watch it burn. That includes laughing at them when Haley turns around and accepts the VP position. What? These guys are losing it. Bonchi's argument against Nikki Haley is the argument against Ron DeSantis, and now he's just adopting it as if Ron owns this argument. They're going to laugh as the big donors fail and burn all of their money out of sheer hubris in trying to return the party to the Bush era. He said they had a chance to get behind the one guy who has the same favorables in the party as Trump. You know who has the same favorables in the party as Trump? Trump. This is what we have been saying to these guys. I mean, at least when we are being nice and not being forced to deal with the fact that these are all malicious liars who are consciously helping to cover up the usurpation of the United States of America by pretending that Joe Biden actually really did get 81 million real lawful American votes. These are the things we were saying. We're loving watching these donors waste all their money on Ron. Look at the party trying to return to the Bush era using this man, Ron DeSantis, that is clearly an incompetent politician. Whatever we were sold about Ron DeSantis was a pure and outright lie, and that will probably be put on display on a national stage on Thursday evening of this week, the 30th, when he debates Gavin Newsom. An endorsement like this, a push behind a candidate like this from such massive political movers as the Koch Brothers Organization, Americans for Prosperity, right before this big media event that is supposed to make Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom look like the two frontrunners in the party to replace Trump and Biden. That is just a disaster for Ron DeSantis. And it seems like the DeSantis simps are realizing this. They had a big plan on how this week was going to go. They had a marketing strategy. And I'm not just saying that. You have to understand that this is an operation. It very clearly is an operation. It's coordinated. The messaging is coordinated. The style of messaging, the language, the way they refer to things, the timing, all of it suggests clear coordination. The group is definable. 
and none of them deny that they are a group. There are pictures of all of them together. The Ron DeSantis simp operation is an info op, a real info op designed to push Ron DeSantis. Now, you can talk about kayfabe. You can talk about all of it being a pro-Trump red team op. We can explore those options. And maybe, maybe one of those is the accurate explanation. Maybe that is what is really genuinely happening behind the scenes. But regardless, the op is coordinated. They definitely had a strategy to attempt to maximize the narrative impact of their little moment in the spotlight with Sean Hannity on Thursday night. Ron DeSantis is now going to be the third place candidate, and he's going to be debating a person who isn't even running for president, and Ron is going to lose to Gavin Newsom. They will probably spend their time figuring out ways that they have planned to bash Trump together, and they are going to look small and petty and nowhere close to having the character to step in and be the man to lead at this moment. The entire Ron project has now spent 13 months trying to build Ron DeSantis up so that people will see him as the plausible, responsible alternative to Donald Trump. And not only has that failed, not only have they made Ron DeSantis look like a small, embarrassing shell of a man, he's now not even the plausible, responsible alternative to Nikki Haley in the minds of some of the biggest Republican establishment donors in all of history. Now, all of the Ron people seem to believe that Ron is still going to win now. to Governor Newsom. And this same DeSantis simp, Bonchi from Red State, had another hilarious interaction today. Con Inc. has begun to cannibalize itself. Noah Rothman from the National Review wrote an article, wrote an article today for National Review that says it's DeSantis's fault, where he discusses Michael Brendan Doherty's criticisms of Ron DeSantis from a few weeks ago. Rothman's article was itself dated November 3rd, but he posted it again today saying it's DeSantis's fault. The article concludes this way. Michael argues that Trump skeptical Republicans should vote strategically. They must swallow their pride and back DeSantis because if he falters, Trump will win. And yet, that transposes the blame for DeSantis's unenviable condition onto the voters to whom he couldn't be bothered to appeal. If conservatives truly believe in personal agency and the consequences that certain actions beget, 
that applies to the candidates too. Well, hey, Noah, thank you for coming on my show in 2020, but it also applies to you and the fact that for the last three plus years, you have been pretending publicly that Joe Biden actually received 81 million real lawful American votes and is a legitimate American president while working to remove Donald Trump from the American political picture, despite him being obviously the duly elected president. So the truth is that accountability is eventually going to reach all of you in this conning thing. But in the meantime, it's absolutely wonderful to watch you all implode. And so Bonchi quote tweeted that Noah Rothman post and said, enjoy that Trump nomination. They're all getting mad at each other for not supporting Ron hard enough and for Ron not being good enough. And they are trying to cope as hard as they possibly can with the fact that it's just Donald Trump. There's nobody else. There's not going to be a Nikki Haley. There is no way there is ever going to be a Ron DeSantis. These people have destroyed Ron DeSantis's career. Donald Trump would have to bring Ron DeSantis on stage and say, this is Ron DeSantis, my right hand man. I know you couldn't see it. I hate that we had to trick the world in this way. But Ron DeSantis worked tirelessly for me, selflessly. He put his ego aside and allowed himself to be attacked by all of my supporters. He welcomed it. He brought it upon himself by looking so bad and incompetent and disloyal, but he only did it so we could draw out all of these corrupt donors in the GOP establishment, all of these conservative incorporated media and influencer shills, all of these people who will do and say anything for more attention, more money and more power. Even the ridiculous fool Heath Mayo responded to Bonchi's post. It's all of our faults that DeSantis has convinced more of us to ditch his candidacy then support it since he announced at some point it's not everyone else. So they're all going after Ron. Now Ron has to walk the plank. They are going to <laughs> knock Ron DeSantis off into shark infested waters and continue to sail along in their sinking ship. Get rid of Ron DeSantis and maybe they will be able to float along a little further before sinking. It is going to be hilarious when they all begin clawing over one another to get to the life rafts. And that's about where we are. They're going to try to do the Nikki Haley thing for a while. All of these never Trump people. And then eventually they're just going to go join the Lincoln project. Like I started telling them to do well over a year ago. So sure, maybe it's kayfabe. Maybe it's all an op, but it's not for these guys. These guys aren't trying to project panic for narrative effect. They're actually panicking because they're screwed. And now even elements of the conservative establishment are going against them. They had already hopelessly lost and made enemies of MAGA. And now they are getting it from people they believe to be on their side, but who are even bigger neocons than they are. So for essentially the last year, we have had a sifting process, seeing over time 
who actually supports the United States of America and who is more than willing to support the legitimacy of the fake president, Joe Biden, if it helps them to advance in their career to get more money, more status, more power, maybe more political connections. Certainly none of these guys went as hard in an anti-Trump direction as they did without pretty strong incentives or potentially punishments due to compromise or whatever. And now we are seeing a further sifting process among that group. It seems like the Ron people are realizing that their allies in Con Inc. are no longer their allies. The Ron people thought they were in the perfect position. They had the rest of Con Inc. behind them because everybody believed that Ron was the plausible alternative. He was the one who was in the best position to take on and beat Donald Trump. Well, now half of that Con Inc. group, if not more, is gone from that project. Now they are on the Nikki Haley side of things. The Ron people started out attacking Donald Trump. Then they moved to attacking Vivek Ramaswamy and anyone else who was on the stage who didn't have a chance, who was going to distract from Ron DeSantis or make Ron look less like the front runner they wanted him to be. And now they're attacking Nikki Haley as the Republican establishment shifts to supporting her. These people are going to find themselves on a very tiny and shrinking little island. And it's going to be funny because you have to think that some of them will try to start getting MAGA friendly again. They've said terrible things about Nikki Haley. They can't just go and back Nikki Haley. They know it's not going to work out for her anyway. So they'll try to get back on the winning team, on the Trump team, and they will think that MAGA, all those suckers and losers, all those cultists and idolaters, we're all going to want to take back all of these Ron people because we are so desperate to have more allies. We're very, very concerned and scared about the primaries and then the general election. And we need all the allies we can get, even if they call us really terrible, insane things, even if they insult us in all the ways that the more overt communists on the uniparty left insult us. Oh, we're just going to take it. They don't even have to apologize. We're just going to accept them back into the fold because we need them so, so bad. But hey, here's the thing, guys. We don't. Go join the Lincoln Project. Go support Joe Biden out in the open as you have for the last three years. Go chase the money and the power and the influence. You're not going to get it from MAGA, so you might as well at least try to get it from the Lincoln Project. Go support Liz Cheney. Go support Joe Manchin and Mitt Romney. You've got this, guys. Now, changing subjects without a segue, this is from ABC News Today. Pence told January 6th, special counsel, harrowing details about 2020 aftermath, warnings to Trump. Sources say. Speaking with special counsel Jack Smith's team earlier this year, former Vice President Mike Pence offered harrowing details about how, in the wake of the 2020 presidential election, then-President Donald Trump surrounded himself with crank attorneys 
espoused un-American legal theories, and almost pushed the country toward a constitutional crisis, according to sources familiar with what Pence told investigators. The sources said Pence also told investigators he's, quote, sure that in the days before January 6th, 2021, when a violent mob tried to stop Congress from certifying the election, he informed Trump he still hadn't seen evidence of significant election fraud. But Trump was unmoved, continuing to claim the election was quote unquote stolen and acting quote unquote recklessly on that quote unquote tragic day. And you have to love how in the span of seven words, they need to quote separately three different times. It's almost like they're showing you and telling you, hey, we need to take some words totally out of context in order to present this story in a way that makes it look how we need it to look. So what do we have so far? Special counsel Jack Smith, a source familiar with what Pence told Jack Smith's investigators, has now leaked this story to ABC News. So someone either from the special counsel's side or from Mike Pence's side wanted this story to get out to the public. Now, it seems rather unlikely that it's coming from Pence's side, but these sides and the motivations are occasionally hard to read in these court cases. Maybe there's some reason that Pence's side wants this out there. I know very smart people who are thinking and acting in good faith and with goodwill, who believe that Pence is a good guy. And I know others who believe that Pence is a bad guy. So we have to be sure to take all of these options into account when thinking about and analyzing this situation. But in terms of how the mainstream media is reacting, they are going along with an agenda that seems to mirror the illegitimate president's agenda, the regime agenda. And you'd have to think then Jack Smith's agenda as well, being the person who brought these ridiculous charges against Donald Trump. No matter who actually leaked this or for what reason, it is notable because it's pretty common knowledge that there weren't really any leaks during the John Durham special counsel investigation. And there hasn't really been much coming out of the Robert Herr special counsel investigation. But when the special counsel has its sights set on Donald Trump, well, we get leaks all the time. I'm not going to go through the whole article. Let's hit a few spots. Pence could take the stand against Trump should Smith's election interference case go to trial, which is currently slated to occur in March. As described to ABC News, much of what the former vice president told Smith's investigators mirrored and at times restated verbatim comments he has previously made publicly. Questions from Smith's team repeatedly focused on a book Pence published last year, with investigators apparently seeking to have Pence confirm under oath an array of post-election stories and opinions he included in the book. But speaking with Smith's team behind closed doors, Pence also offered previously undisclosed anecdotes and details showing how his longtime friendship with Trump unraveled in the final weeks of their time in the White House, including Pence's repeated warnings to Trump about the then president's push to overturn the election results. 
Now, this is very interesting because the Jack Smith special counsel wants Mike Pence to confirm under oath parts of this book that Mike Pence wrote. You might remember that in the testimony of Cash Patel to the illegitimate sham January 6th committee, they asked him questions repeatedly about segments of Bob Woodward's book. They wanted Cash to tell them whether or not certain reporting was correct. We know that the basis and the outline, the substance of all of these various indictments was laid out in work done by Norm Eisen and the Brookings Institute. And we saw in the case in Colorado about Trump potentially getting removed from the ballot that the entire case was based on that same illegitimate J6 committee's report. And hey, I know I'm a conspiracy theorist, but this seems like a pretty significant developing pattern of these investigational bodies not really doing any investigation other than reading books that were released by major publishers. They believe that they have reached some conclusions based on what's said in these books, some way, some manner that they can paint this big picture of Trump as the criminal. If only everything in these books is true and provable and the people who supposedly wrote these books will repeat all of that under oath. It's a little bit absurd, to be honest. And it really is rather stunning that someone close to and familiar with Mike Pence's testimony in front of a special counsel is describing what happened in such detail. They wanted to ask Mike Pence whether or not everything in his book was true. And not only did he answer those questions, he even told them other stuff. And so let's go through some of the claims they're making about Mike Pence's testimony. According to sources, one of Pence's notes obtained by Smith's team shows that days before Pence was set to preside over Congress, certifying the election results on January 6th, he momentarily decided that he would skip the proceedings altogether, writing in the note that there were, quote, too many questions and it would otherwise be, quote, too hurtful to my friend. But he ultimately concluded he had a duty to show up. So Mike Pence was thinking about skipping the January 6th certification of the electoral college votes because it was going to be too hurtful to Donald Trump. Now, with a mature viewpoint and an understanding that Donald Trump is not who the media has made him out to be, he is actually a real estate tycoon, a billionaire, a national television star, and a president. He's not dumb. And no matter what they say about his ego, Donald Trump was not worried about his hurt feelings in the aftermath of a stolen election. Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States of America, was going to skip the election certification in a joint session of Congress over Donald Trump's hurt feelings? No, no, there's absolutely no way that's true. And it's kind of funny that they put Trump's hurt feelings on par with too many questions. The too many questions part may have been more operative. To believe this, you have to have that 
official story about Donald Trump incorporated into your understanding. You have to believe the central narrative about Donald Trump. Still, after eight and a half years, you still think Trump is who the media said he was when he came down the escalator. If that is you, you are insane. Speaking with Smith's team, Pence insisted his loyalty to President Trump at the time never faltered. My only higher loyalty was to God and the Constitution. Sources described Pence as telling them, well, what a hero. And honestly, if some of my very smart friends are right about who Mike Pence is and what his role was on that day, then Mike Pence is indeed a hero and has taken all the slings and arrows and insults selflessly for over three years. That would be rather heroic and we would build a much more justifiable altar to Mike Pence after giving him a round of pats on the back and many congratulations. Sources said that investigators questioning became so granular at times that they pressed Pence over the placement of a comma in his book. When recounting a phone call with Trump on Christmas Day 2020, Pence wrote in his book that he told Trump, you know, I don't think I have the authority to change the outcome of the election on January 6th. And the quote stopped after outcome. Now, naturally, no one was suggesting that Mike Pence did have the authority to change the outcome. And that's not what people wanted him to do on that day. They wanted him to send the electors back to the states with a 10 day waiting period so that they could address the legitimate concerns about the elections and the process of those elections in the given states. Why? Because the elections across the board were uncertifiable and people who put their names to those certifications of those uncertifiable elections committed fraud in doing so. You don't actually have to find millions of votes all around the country that were fake or otherwise fraudulent, though you can do that too. But let's go on. But Pence allegedly told Smith's investigators that the comma should have never been placed there. According to sources, Pence told Smith's investigators that he actually meant to write in his book that he admonished Trump. You know, I don't think I have the authority to change the outcome. Suggesting Trump was well aware of the limitations of Pence's authority days before January 6th, a line Smith includes in his indictment, except for the fact that there's no proof that was actually true. And there also isn't conclusive proof that Pence didn't have that authority. There are constitutional scholars and attorneys who believe otherwise. And that is the sort of question that can be put before the Supreme Court, for instance. Pence could have gone forward with sending the election back to the states and Democrats could have challenged that and that could have gone to the courts and we could have had a decision from the courts about whether or not the vice president has the authority to do that. But the point is, it's not a cut and dry issue. It is a matter of opinion as it currently stands because it has not been decided in the courts, not that the courts are the ultimate arbiter of that question either. Ultimately, the people are. This article is fairly long. I would suggest you all have a look at it in your own time. But this is from the section where they talk about how Pence was encouraging Trump to accept the results of the election. 
Trump inside the Oval Office on December 21st, 2020, as the campaign's legal challenges across the country were failing, but Trump was continuing to claim the election was stolen and had begun urging supporters to gather in Washington, D.C. for a big protest on January 6th. When Trump privately asked Pence what they should do, Pence said he told the then president that if nothing changed, quote, you should simply accept the results. Another quote, you should take a bow, travel the country to thank supporters and another quote, and then run again if you want. And I'll never forget. He pointed at me as if to say that's worth thinking about. And he walked away. Pence recalled two investigators sources said. Now, whoever's leaking this has quite a specific memory of these conversations. It's like they have immediate access to these transcripts. Could the transcripts themselves have been leaked or maybe just parts or hey, maybe whoever this leaker is has a really, really extraordinary memory. However, two days later, as noted in Smith's election interference related indictment against Trump, Trump, quote, retweeted a memo titled Operation Pence Card, which falsely asserted that the vice president could, among other things, unilaterally disqualify legitimate electors from six targeted states, end quote. When Pence, on his way to Colorado for Christmas vacation, saw Trump's post, he turned to his wife and said, here we go. He recalled to Smith's investigators, sources said, and so you're supposed to assume as a standard issue villager reading ABC News, that all of this is true as reported and means the thing that you are biased toward believing when reading all of this. Donald Trump knew that he lost the election. He wanted to try to steal it anyway. He wanted Mike Pence to do something Mike Pence was not allowed to do. And once Trump irresponsibly tweeted that thing, he put his vice president, this loyal patriotic American in grave danger to the point where his whole Christmas vacation was just him turning to his wife and saying, oh, here we go now. Jumping down once more, Pence told investigators he, quote, clearly and repeatedly, end quote, emphasized to Trump that rejecting certain votes would violate the Constitution. And OK, thank goodness, Trump never asked anyone to do that. Quote, I told him I thought there was no idea more un-American than the idea that any one person could decide what electoral votes to count. Pence allegedly told Smith's team, echoing what he has said before in his book and other public forums. I made it very plain to him that it was inconsistent with our history and tradition. Again, good. Trump didn't ask for that. The request was simply that Pence say the electors are not in their proper form and should be sent back to the states. There were too many questions to consider all of these electors certified as legitimate through a legitimate lawful process, and they must be returned to the states to reject and overturn them. Nope. Just for further review to address those concerns. The electors, like the elections, were totally uncertifiable. The article goes on to copy and paste full segments of Jack Smith's indictment as if they are factual claims that are 
already established as true when, of course, they are not. But jumping down to the end, according to sources, when Pence spoke with Smith's team earlier this year, he said Trump's words that morning, quote, didn't help. And he said Trump, quote, acted recklessly as the Capitol was under siege. But Pence also said he will, quote unquote, never believe Trump meant for January 6th to become violent. Trump has pleaded not guilty in the case and denied any wrongdoing. He recently accused Pence of, quote, making up stories about me, which are absolutely false, end quote. I never said for him to put me before the Constitution, Trump posted to his social media platform, Truth Social, in September. Mike failed badly on calling out voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. And Mike Pence certainly did not call out voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election, despite the fact that there was overwhelming obvious evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. And more accurately, I would say election fraud. A spokesperson for Trump told ABC News, tens of millions of Americans, including Vice President Pence, as he repeatedly stated himself, have had grave and serious concerns about the legitimacy of the rigged and stolen 2020 presidential election, further proving that the lawless indictment against President Trump should be summarily dismissed. And naturally, ABC News wants to make sure that you know that nuh-uh, Pence has never described the election as stolen. He just said he was concerned about irregularities. They are just going to keep going under the pretense that no one will ever find out the actual results of the election. Americans will just remain as ignorant as a cable news addicted standard issue villager for all of time. Now let's sidestep to this story in the Washington Post today. Trump lawyers seek to probe U.S. handling of 2020 election fraud claims. Attorneys for Donald Trump have asked a federal judge in Washington to allow them to investigate several U.S. government agencies about their handling of investigations into him and allegations of voter fraud three years ago as the former president moves to defend himself from charges that he criminally conspired to subvert the results of the 2020 election. In court papers filed Monday, Trump's legal team sought permission to compel prosecutors to turn over information about the FBI, National Security and Election Integrity Units of the Justice Department, as well as the intelligence community and Department of Homeland Security's response to foreign interference and other threats to the 2020 election in what appeared to be an attempt to resuscitate his unfounded allegation that President Biden's election victory was stolen in quotes. So Trump wants all of this information from all of these different branches of the federal government directly related to what they know about the stolen election of 2020. And the Washington Post wants to frame all of this as Donald Trump just trying to relitigate that stolen election, as if the truth of the stolen election doesn't prove all of these indictments spurious. But they can't just go around saying that to the standard issue villagers in their audience who they've told for well over three years now that there's absolutely no truth to the claims that the elections were stolen at all. 
And because we already know there's no truth to the claims, then Donald Trump doesn't deserve to ever see this information that could prove otherwise and potentially affect his future as a free man. I mean, they're trying to lock him up for hundreds of years. He is so indicted, very extremely indicted. 91 counts, they tell us. Oh, it's felonies. He's going to prison for hundreds and hundreds of years, and all of it is very real, but he's not allowed to defend himself because if we allow him to defend himself, well, that's just going to be an attack on democracy. And if we don't want to lose our democracy, then what we need to do is imprison our political opponents without trial while making sure, even in public view, that he has no access to the information that may well prove exculpatory. It's not a banana republic. It's our democracy. Back to the article. Whether Trump genuinely believed that allegation may be a matter for his trial, his lawyers wrote, but prosecutors cannot, quote, suppress and withhold from President Trump information that supports his defense and related arguments regarding good faith and the absence of his criminal intent, end quote. It was certainly not criminal, they added, for President Trump to disagree with officials now favored by the prosecution and to rely instead on the independent judgment that the American people elected him to use while leading the country. Defendants in federal criminal cases typically can and often do file shotgun blast requests for information in hopes of hitting something useful. However, courts give U.S. prosecutors broad discretion to decide which evidence reasonably may be helpful to the defense and thus must be turned over. Their obligation to produce evidence is also limited to information available to the prosecution team, not everything known to the U.S. government at large. Now, this is an extraordinarily dystopian passage that is dressed up to sound like nothing of the sort. What they're talking about are Brady rules. The government has a fiduciary, moral, ethical, etc., and legal, of course, responsibility to turn over any evidence to the defense that may prove exculpatory. Now, not only is the Washington Post just eliding that fact, by claiming that courts give prosecutors broad discretion in deciding what to turn over. That's not actually supposed to be how it is. The Washington Post is covering for blatant corruption here. They're also saying that the prosecution team wouldn't have all the access to that government information. Jack Smith's team can't get all that information from those agencies. So, if the information from those agencies suggests that the election actually was stolen, Jack Smith wouldn't be able to find that out because he can't access that information. So Jack Smith doesn't know whether or not these federal agencies have information that indicates the election was stolen. And of course, the likelihood, the very strong likelihood is that they do. Now, it's possible that their access to information was restricted by higher authorities while Trump was still in office. And maybe they don't actually have that information, but that would be probably the only scenario where that would apply. Otherwise, they are just not giving Jack Smith the information. 
And it's potentially coordinated so that Jack Smith wouldn't be asking for that information or that various agencies might hide behind claims of classification or national security in order to prevent that information from ever making it to Jack Smith so that he even has the possibility of sharing it with Donald Trump. The Post article goes on and notes the defense's 59 requests include the identification of, quote, informants and other undercover operatives, end quote, in the January 6th, 2021 Capitol attack. Information about security measures undertaken that day, assessments of cyber attacks and other actual or attempted interference in the election, among many other things. Now, my original plan was to go through part of that Trump filing with you on the podcast, but my good friend and the founder of Badlands Media, John Herald, has put together a thread on X, formerly Twitter, going through Trump's filing. Thread regarding Trump's motion to compel discovery for his J6 case. I will cover the highlights in this thread and add to it when I have the time, including exhibits. It's 325 pages long. And he notes that they will be covering this on Devolution Power Hour on Wednesday night on Badlands Media on Rumble. In this filing are many things I've written about in my series. Foreign interference in our elections, Executive Order 13848, CISA, the SolarWinds hack, Minority View from the Election ICA, DNI Ratcliffe's Disagreement, J6 and the J6 Committee, and Trump's response to foreign efforts. The central focus here is the 2020 election. Jack Smith is trying to paint a picture that Trump was knowingly spreading the big lie that the election was stolen. Trump is contending that there exists evidence proving the opposite. The intro is a good summary. Trump's duty as president was to defend our elections if he knew them to be compromised, regardless of what politically biased individuals in the intelligence community were telling him. He aims to defend his statements and actions to show that the elections were compromised. John screenshots a paragraph from the filing in the introduction. The indictment in this case reflects little more than partisan advocacy designed to sabotage President Trump's leading campaign for the 2024 presidential election. Consistent with that improper and unlawful goal, the special counsel's office has chosen to rely on the views of witnesses who aligned with the Biden administration's political viewpoints and to treat those biased opinions as objective and irrefutable truths regarding the integrity of the 2020 election and the events of January 6th, 2021. The problem with that approach is that President Trump and others, indeed hundreds of millions of voters, are not obligated to accept at face value the office's politically motivated narrative. It was not unreasonable at the time and certainly not criminal for President Trump to disagree with officials now favored by the prosecution and to rely instead on the independent judgment that the American people elected him to use while leading the country. And that is exactly right. It does not matter that Jack Smith can find people who will say that the election was not stolen. It doesn't matter that Jack Smith can find people who told Donald Trump that the election was not stolen. If the election was stolen and that's what the underlying evidence proves, and we can be certain that it does because we've seen plenty of that evidence. And in addition, 
we know that it is completely irrational for anyone to believe that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. Then it doesn't matter what certain officials think, even if those people have official roles that deal with elections. It doesn't matter what those people think. It doesn't matter what was told to Donald Trump. All that matters is whether or not that evidence exists and existed, whether or not Donald Trump had access to that evidence, that information, and whether or not he was acting on that information. Donald Trump, as president of the United States of America, does have a duty not to allow our elections to be stolen. And of course, he was going to do that duty. It's very likely that he still is. Back to the Twitter thread by John. Trump's motion hammers the SCO, that special counsel's office, for ignoring political bias from the intelligence community and not turning over Brady material, as I just mentioned, that Trump knows they have. Things like evidence of cyber attacks, both actual and attempted, and he screenshots more of the introduction to the filing. John highlights part. The office cannot blame President Trump for public discord and distrust of the 2020 election results while refusing to turn over evidence that foreign actors stoked the very same flames that the office identifies as inculpatory in the indictment. So what they are accusing Donald Trump of, the claim here is there is evidence that foreign actors were actually doing that thing. Could they be Ukrainian? Yeah, we've seen that. They are at least Ukrainian, but there could be plenty of other countries as well. And of course, there were countries like China and Iran who were responsible for interfering with election systems in the lead up to the elections. The office cannot rely on selected guidance and judgments by officials it favors from the intelligence community and law enforcement while ignoring evidence of political bias in those officials decision making as well as cyber attacks and other interference, both actual and attempted, that targeted critical infrastructure and election facilities before, during, and after the election. Now, again, the mainstream media and the anti-Trump contingent, the special counsel, the fake administration, the regime overall, everyone is pretending that Donald Trump doesn't know what these agencies have as far as the information goes. And perhaps they think that with the fake president controlling things, they can control that information and they can just steal another election and control the information after that. And maybe in 60 years, as with the JFK files or 75 years as Pfizer wanted sometime in the future, people will look at that information for the first time and say, my, my, my. The 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. It's too bad they let Joe Biden become the fake president and then become the fake president again. And it turns out that elections have just been stolen ever since. Maybe they think they'll be able to hide all of that. Maybe they just think the AI God will rise up and it doesn't matter what any of us think ever again. They will erase history, erase the present, change the future however they like. They'll have full control, so none of it matters. They just need to get past this Trump thing. Everybody has basically just bet on the regime's ability to get past this Trump thing, because certainly they must know that Donald Trump is not just making all of this up. I mean, the people who still accept 
the central narrative about Donald Trump actually do believe that they believe that Donald Trump is very dumb and much dumber than they are, of course. And yes, they believed that COVID was a very deadly pandemic and the vaccines were very safe and effective and masks work and lockdowns were necessary. And Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes, but they are definitely smarter than Donald Trump. And their belief in all those things is actually what proves it to other people like them. They think there's no way Donald Trump could have all this information, but of course he has all this information. Of course he knows what he is doing. Of course, he knows what information those agencies can turn over. And if he presents that before the public, then all of these charges just vanish. Now, is he going to get to do all that? Probably not. There are going to be multiple cycles of this. It will be very likely decided against him. They'll go all the way through the end of this case. They'll determine that Trump is guilty, very likely. And then in the next round on appeals, all of this will come up. It'll be quite obvious that Jack Smith and this entire special counsel process was a complete and total fabrication and fraud on the American people. And justice will be set forward at some point. Maybe they'll hand over all the evidence of election fraud directly to Donald Trump in this case. But I kind of think we're not going to get it that easy. Back to John. This is where we get into the relevant facts, which basically go in chronological order, starting with foreign influence relating to the 2016 election. It references Exhibit A, which is a public version of the IC's assessment, that's intelligence community, regarding foreign interference in the 2016 election. And he highlights a public version of the 2016 election ICA states that it is a quote declassified version of highly classified assessment, end quote, which, quote, does not include the full supporting information, including specific intelligence on key elements of the influence campaign, end quote. For example, Exhibit A, noting that the conclusions in the declassified and classified versions are identical. John writes, the 2016 ICA essentially concluded that Putin ordered a campaign to influence the 2016 election in Trump's favor. I don't trust the 2016 ICA, just like I don't trust the 2021. Both were politically motivated. However, the 2016 assessment was the basis for Trump's EO 13848. So basically, the regime claimed that Russia interfered in the 2016 election on Trump's behalf. And in response, Trump signed Executive Order 13848 dealing with foreign interference in American elections. That's what the regime gets for claiming that Russia interfered. Back to Patel Patriot. Executive Order 13848 is described next. As I've said before, 13848 isn't some magical executive order that itself proves Trump did anything. It shows that Trump was taking foreign interference seriously and broadly defined what is considered to be foreign interference. Arguably, the most important part of the EO is it requiring the intelligence community to conduct an assessment regarding foreign influence and interference efforts surrounding our elections. And then the EO requires a report to be prepared on that IC assessment. And he says he'll return to that. But if you remember from 13848, there was a 45 day window to submit the report. 
certain parts of the intelligence community submitted their report and were assessed to be lacking by DNI Ratcliffe. John goes on. The most interesting part of Section C, the CISA statement, is that Trump's motion states that CISA, this is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, their statement claiming, quote, there was no evidence any voting system had been compromised, end quote, was false. This means Trump is claiming that there is evidence that contradicts that statement. And of course, this could even refer to the J. Alex Halderman report. It was quite clear from that report that was submitted before the 2020 election that the machines were absolutely compromised going in. Right after claiming CISA's statement was false, the motion goes right into Section D, the solar winds sunburst attack. This is extremely notable for many reasons, but most importantly, and as I have written about, John includes a screenshot from the filing claiming that the attack was one of the worst cybersecurity incidents in history. It says the threat actors inserted malicious code into three software builds for SolarWinds Orion products. John notes SolarWinds software was connected to Dominion Voting Systems machines based on their own archived link to their web client portal. And that was in all the news back then. Anyone who was stating that basic and obvious fact was called a conspiracy theorist, even though this information was removed from SolarWinds and Dominion. Back to John. Later on in the filing, Trump's motion even mentions Dominion Voting Systems by name as part of the information he is seeking the SCO to produce. This is the special counsel's office. Again, Trump wants the special counsel's office to get this information from Dominion Voting Systems. He says Trump's argument with this is to refute CISA's claim that 2020 was, quote, the most secure in American history. I'd wager he has much more evidence than this. And of course, he's referring to Trump. This motion only references publicly available information, and that shouldn't be overlooked. It feels purposeful. Section E is also interesting because it references DNI Ratcliffe and the briefing he gave to co-conspirator four in this indictment, who Kyle, just human, has pointed out is Jeffrey Clark. After meeting with Ratcliffe, Clark revised a draft letter to change his concerns to a, quote, stronger, end quote, assertion that, quote, as of today, there is evidence of significant irregularities that may have impacted the outcome of the election in multiple states. So John Ratcliffe at the time was the director of national intelligence. He had access to all of this information, and he says that. But that doesn't matter because John Ratcliffe is, quote, unquote, Trump's guy. And as soon as someone is labeled Trump's guy, all standard issue villagers understand that they should ignore that. John makes clear that Ratcliffe is indeed a central figure and goes on to note that devolution part 11 covers Ratcliffe's views as mentioned in this filing. And he says there is plenty more to come. And again, they're going to be discussing this on Wednesday night's edition of devolution power hour. And by the way, thank you to everyone who has been tuning in to Saturday's editions of Devolution Power Hour. We have had for three of the last four Saturday nights, the number one show on Rumble, excluding only one Saturday night where Donald Trump had a speech that was number one. 
So that's a nice little distinction for an upstart band of conspiracy theorists. But the major takeaway is this is one way to introduce this evidence to the American public. How do you want the public to finally pay attention to the fact, not the questions, not the doubts, not the mythology, not the conspiracy theory, but the fact that Joe Biden did not receive 81 million real lawful American votes. He didn't come anywhere close to that. There is no reason whatsoever to believe that our elections are safe or secure or that the courts acted properly in the aftermath of that election. The whole country will eventually come to know and accept that as just a simple and irrefutable fact about the world. But they are still in denial right now because it has not been thrust in their face as a simple and irrefutable fact. They have just had it repeated to them for over three years now that it is nothing more than a conspiracy theory. But of course, Donald Trump as president knew and knows he knows which agencies know. And ultimately, there will be no way to avoid this. As I said, I doubt that it will come out in this trial. Certainly not at this stage. But hey, maybe things are on a faster timeline than I understand. And maybe we will get it. But I doubt we will. I think that this will probably go on getting more eyeballs on it as this rerun circles around again and again and again. And I imagine that by the time the evidence comes out, and I'm speaking specifically about the evidence requested here, the public will already know and understand the truth of all of it. But we shall see. I do just want to share one other thing before we wrap up for the day. And this is former Trump attorney whose role is just so strange. But I'm talking about Michael Cohen having some sort of meltdown about potentially being sent off to Guantanamo Bay one day. I personally don't want to be led around. I don't want anybody telling me, as they're doing already right now, what you can and can't do in your bedroom. I don't want them, you know, turning around and saying who can and who can't vote. All of a sudden, you're going to have somebody knock down your door and it's going to be Trump's brown shirts pulling you out and sending you off to Guantanamo Bay. And I know that sounds hyperbolic. But I know him so well. I know what's on his mind, and I know what he intends to do. He's looking to scare the piss out of everyone so that nobody, and I mean nobody, like the way Kim Jong-un runs North Korea, he wants to run a United States of America that way. The way that Vladimir Putin controls Russia, he wants to control America. The way that Mohammed bin Salman controls Saudi Arabia, he wants to control America the same way. So a vote for Donald is a vote for the end of democracy. Who in their right mind would, abs- would, would do such a thing? Who would support somebody who's looking to destroy the greatest experiment that exists on this planet? So that is Michael Cohen on the video podcast of Midas Touch. And they are like one of those paid Democrat shills that just posts a stream of constant brain dead communist nonsense. And the funny thing is that at the end of that clip, it actually cuts to (laughs) Jamie Raskin's face. But Michael Cohen gives a great description. Yes, 
That is what's going to happen to some people. They are going to be shipped off to Guantanamo Bay because they have committed crimes against America and crimes against humanity. What are we supposed to do about people who steal elections and stage pandemics and mandate medical experimentation and run a slave trade at the southern border and are allowing our country to be poisoned by bioweapons and illegal drugs? And the list goes on and on and on. These people know what's coming. They know what they've done. They know the proof is available in the real world. And all that's required is Donald Trump having access to it and being able to present it to the American public. And by the time he does, the American public is going to be wanting it, needing for it and begging for it, much like we have been for years. And I know it's frustrating. I know it's a bit sad and maybe a bit pathetic, but we do have to let enough of the class catch up before we can move on. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!